Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, and game over, man, game over. You can't just let the cats run around wild. (laughs) I am Captain Sabriel Maston, and as always, usually, sometimes, typically, yes, I am joined by Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Hello, Ken. You make me sound so unreliable. No, it's just that we sometimes have guests and we're not here, so. It's true, (laughs) rare. I don't want to say always joined by. Predominantly joined by. There we go. (laughs) I'll try to remember that next time we're recording the month. (laughs) Anyway. So, here we are at the season finale of season two of Strange New Worlds. But first, I have a little other non-Star Trek stuff I'd love to chat with you about. Yeah, let's do this. So even though Star Trek wasn't over yet this past week, I was thinking ahead. I'm like, I'm going to need another show to watch after Star Trek is over. So I started binging the third season of The Orville. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this show before, and also it's one of the main creatives behind it is Brennan Braga, who was involved with a lot of Star Trek. And I believe you and I are of the opinion that People like Brandon Braga stuck with Star Trek too long. Absolutely. And that's, wh- and that's why it needed a rest. And yet, I really like the Oroville. And there was a good 15, 20 years in between. <laughs> yeah, I guess he got his creative juices recuperated. Yeah. But I mean, it's also, it's, it's mostly a Seth MacFarlane joint. This is true. It's that is baby. also true. I will say, though, that the Oroville was advertised when it first premiered as very much a comedy, like a parody of Star Trek. And that has slowly fallen to the background as the show has evolved. They did some serious episodes in season one and two, but season three is like predominantly serious sci-fi. Like there's maybe one or two moments of laughter. So it's it hasn't been like a, a sudden transition. It's been a slow evolution, but this is really good sci-fi. I really like that show a lot. Like the first two episodes I think are the worst. Uh, and those were the ones, to, as, as one of my partners says, uh, they were there to confuse the execs to make them think what they were actually getting. So Seth MacFarlane could actually do the show he wanted starting episode three and on. Yeah, I think there was definitely a compromise going on there. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the early promos for the Orville, it doesn't focus on the sci-fi, it focuses on the humor. Yeah, and that's not what the show is. There is humor. There's plenty of it in every, every, yeah. every episode. But uh, yeah, he made us... He made a uh, loving homage, like fanfic to Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, there was one moment in a recent episode that had me like loudly guffawing. Like everybody (laughs) in the house heard me and it went on for like a minute. (laughs) And I just, I have never gotten that from Star Trek. Not even the silly episode of Strange New World has been doing. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid to take some uh, risks because they don't have that legacy of 55, 56 years. Right. And I really like that they don't have transporters. Yeah. It was the original Star Trek, what they were going to do, but they needed to save money. So, hey, let's invent this transporter tech. I think they also couldn't figure out how to land the ship. Oh, it, would, it was way more expensive. Yeah, there's no like good way to do it back then that made it look good. Yeah. I mean, you can do the, the Thunderbirds thing. Uh, you know, zoomed out and just like, smoke uh, steam things or whatever like that. A little smoke coming out of the bottom of the shuttle, I guess. But nah, they saved money and went to the transporter. And the Orville still hasn't figured out how to land the main ship. Like, they don't do that. They don't do that. Just Not until the plot needs it. Oh, spoiler. I haven't finished season three yet. No, 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 no. There is no spoiler there. Okay. It's just like a lot of ships don't land until all of a sudden the plot's like, oh. 
That's the right. Voyager the first so time. who knows? Season four. Do we know uh, if there's going to be a season four? Uh, it is still up in the air. Okay. Uh, there's been talks, but um, after the move to Hulu, like there's very people are very hopeful, but um, it's there has been zero word on. I would not expect it. So if we get it, pleasantly surprised. Okay. I am glad for the move to Disney Plus, although I do not approve of the consolidation of everything to be Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, just personally, I have Disney Plus. I don't have Hulu. So are they the same company, though? Yeah, Disney has both. <laughs> well, who cares then? <laughs> uh, in other news, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, The Moth, which is uh-huh, also yeah. a live storytelling event you and I have been to uh-huh. back on March 3rd, 2020, just before the pandemic. And this is where people get up on stage and tell true stories from their own lives under a certain time limit. I was The podcast tends to have more like curated and sometimes even celebrity stories being told. And after one of the stories listened to on the podcast, the narrator or MC was reading a bio for the person who had just told the story. And the bio seemed to have been written by the storyteller. And I'd, I'd like to read that bio to you now. Okay. Uh, the person's name is Faith Saley, who they're talking about. Emmy-winning contributor to CBS Sunday Morning and a regular on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Faith Saley also hosts Science Goes to the Movies on PBS. Her memoir, Approval Junkie, is out now. Faith attended Oxford University on a Rhodes Scholarship. She says her fellow scholars went on to become governors and Pulitzer Prize winners, while she landed on a Star Trek D Space Nine collectible trading card that is now worth hundreds of cents. Hold on, let me see her picture. I'm going to guess if I remember the character. Because um, I was thinking, you don't land on a DS9 collectible trading card without first landing on DS9. No. Um, hmm. Not familiar off the top of my head. However, if I do a Google search. Oh, no way. That's her. Who is she? She played. Uh, she was one of the augments. Um, the f- two augment, uh, not augments. Um, yeah, they were augments, I guess. But uh, uh, genetically engineered, the genetically engineered, not augment. Uh, genetically engineered people on DS Nine. Um, she was Serena, the one who didn't talk. When Bashir um, got her to talk. Um, the 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 these um, genetically or, or what was the word I just said? Um, uh, basically, these four were um, patients that Dr. Bashir was t- charged with taking over, or uh, taking over, taking care of. And um, she played Serena, the one who didn't talk. And Dr. Bashir got a crush on her. Yeah, he brought her out of her shell because she didn't talk. And once she did talk, they fell in love, which was awkward for a mm-hmm. doctor to fall in love with this patient and a little fast for her, having just come out of her shell. Uh, but yeah, that was who I heard telling a story. She was telling a story about, uh, I mean, superficially, the story is about was about what she wanted, to, trying to choose what to wear to court on her divorce day, <laughs> you know, but that was just the framework for a bigger story about her life. Uh, uh, and I had, of course, no idea that's who I was listening to until I heard that bio. So. Yeah, no, I never would have known. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, the uh, genetically enhanced people were Jack, Lauren, Patrick. That's a stupid question. Uh, I like Patrick. Admiral, uh, and uh, Serena here. I just sent no one out. No one listener can know here, but I just sent a link to Ken of the card that she's on. Oh, fun. That's actually not something that came up in my search. I will include a link to that card that you just sent me, as well as the podcast on that episode of The Moth in the show notes for this episode of Transporter Live. Cool. 
That's fine. And you weren't far off. Memory Alpha describes her as a post-eugenics human augment. But who's reading? Yeah, I think calling her just an augment outside of the additional adjectives might be a little confusing. We just have different contexts as viewers. In the universe, she would totally be an augment. Yeah. I wonder if they actually used that word for her in DS9. I don't remember. I don't think, I don't think that was a word they used until DS9. Or okay. excuse me, Enterprise. Interesting. Uh, in other news, one last thing. Uh-huh. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to my first ever Dragon Con in Atlanta. Hey, you're going to go. That's yeah. so much fun. If you are not in costume, you are in the minority. I will be in the minority. <laughs> I was I too w- when I went. I wish I had the talent of cosplay, but I don't. And I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. Uh, I have other no, just wear your pajamas. I don't have my Star Trek pajamas with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have like one Star Trek shirt or two. We'll see. Um, but there are going to be a lot of celebrities there. Uh-huh. Pending the writers and actors strike. Maybe some of them will be canceling. But last time I checked, and maybe I should have checked more recently because maybe this has changed. From Strange New Worlds, Ethan Peck, uh-huh. a.k.a. Spock. Christina Chong, a.k.a. Lan. Also, George Takei, Sulu. And Garrett Wang, Ensign Kim. That's awesome. And from the Orville, Adrian Palicki, who plays, I still don't know everybody's names, but she's the commander, uh, the captain's ex-wife. And Jessica Sozer, who plays the chief of security. Yeah. From? From Orville? I don't, I'm, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean from. I'm just saying, I, I'm drawing complete blank on this visual. Oh, she's got that like side ponytail. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. That's all I needed. Yeah, she, uh, <laughs> she's from the alien race that has a lot of high gravity, so she's yes. really strong. Massive crush. I just could not put a plate face on it for whatever reason. No worries. Yeah. So all those people are or were slated to be at Dragon Con, which is pretty That's awesome. Cool. Uh, I got a chance to go years ago. Both Kirk, or Captain Patrick Stewart, and um, William Shatner were there. Honestly, I had zero desire to go. I don't want to see my heroes. <laughs> Oh, you know Everybody who else is going to be there is uh, Emily Coots. Oh, uh, um, the redhead with the side shave from Discovery. Yep. yep. <laughs> and oh, and Wilson Cruz, Doctor Culber. The whole crew there. Either I missed these names the first time, or they are recent additions. Wow. Oh, and is Celia Rose Gooding who plays Ahura. Uh huh. Got the whole wow. crew there. I just found out how old some of the crew is. Like, um, some of the people are my age, and they're just a little younger. Um, uh, the guy who plays New Jim Kirk. He's 41. Um, James, Paul Wesley. Uh, Christina Chong is like 37, 38. Uh, like all these people, I thought they were in their low, late 20s, early 30s. Like, no, they're my age. Like, wow. Ah, uh, great. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not doing any cool trips like that. So, Ooh, Bruce Boxleitner. He's on I'm the Orville, but also, of course, Tron. Right. And uh, Babylon 5. Uh, every time his name would pop up on uh, the credits for overall, I was like, oh, that's Bruce Hughes and Tron. You remember him? No, no, you don't remember him. Okay. <laughs> my my favorite story from uh, Tron is one time I was at E3 and Bruce Boxleitner was going to be there because he was advertising, I think, Tron 2.0, which was a computer game that was coming mm-hmm. out. And coincidentally, like I'm on, I'm, I'm tuned in. I have the news on in the hotel room that morning before I head over to the convention center. And it happens to say that today is Bruce Boxleitner's birthday. <laughs> so I, I get in line and I get Cindy Morgan is there too. She was also in the original Tron and I get her autograph. And then I go down the line and I get right next to her. I get Bruce Boxleitner's autograph. 
And I say, by the way, happy birthday. He's like, oh, thanks. And Cindy Morgan turns to him and says, it's your birthday and you didn't tell me? And she punches him. <laughs> I was like, yes, I got Bruce Buxlander in trouble. Uh, I met him again years later at another convention. I got him to record a bumper for a podcast I was doing at that time. It was called Open Apple. And his recording said, this is Bruce Boxleitner and Open Apple fights for the user. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was excited to get that. Uh, I also got uh, John Wesley Ship's bumper. He played Flash on the sci-fi series back in the 90s. And then he played the Flash's father on the new show. And unfortunately, I also got a bumper from Kevin Sorbo. Oh, well, we didn't know. Sometimes we don't know. <laughs> yeah, back it seemed like a good idea at the time. Mm-hmm. We know better now. Anyway, we're here primarily to talk about the season finale of Strange New Worlds. What was the name of this episode? Hegemony. That's right, Hegemony. Star Trek does alien. Yeah, if you are a Star Trek alien race with a four-letter name and the middle two letters are O-R, you're the bad guys. <laughs> Worf. <laughs> I hadn't thought of Worf. I was thinking Gorn and Borg. Oh, <laughs> but I meant more like Alien the movie. Oh, yes, them too. <laughs> yes, this was very Alien inspired, just like the last time the Gorn were on the show with chest bursters. Yeah, and they have a very loving homage to the Alien films here. Um, yeah. So we open with um, uh, that is not the league I was trying to open. We open with uh, uh. Captain Patel is trying to make her name dig a log. She's on Parnassus Beta. Of course, doing the Star Trek thing of, oh, the 60s Star Trek thing of this colony looks exactly like our era. But here now we're 50 years later. They're like, oh, they're doing a 60s era Midwest setting on this planet. I love that. Yeah, I have so many questions about that. Like, So one of the reviews I read said, oh, they're doing this because it makes the horror realer because it hits closer to home. And I was like, I yeah, that at all. but it also saves a lot of money on sets. So this is apparently a set that's used in a lot of shows that are filmed in Canada. And so <laughs> I saw people talking about like, oh, I recognize that building. I recognize that building. So it would take them out of it. These are shows I hadn't watched. So it was mm. a set outside of Toronto. You don't know if one of the shows that the set has been used for is Doom Patrol, do you? I don't. Sorry. Okay. Does it seem familiar? Well, I haven't seen that show in its entirety or even a single episode in its entirety. But there is a character on the show that is a street. Gotcha. A street. Yeah. A street. Like the road. It's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's like Main Street. It's okay. a character. Okay. <laughs> I'll inquire about that later. Um, <laughs> you should. It's fantastic, that idea. And, and it comes from the comic books, of course. Uh, now, this is a total homage to original series where they were always on the back lot of Desilu Studios on the same set for every uh, planet that had a civilization. And so just did a modern version of that. I think it was fun. Because if you watch those old shows, sometimes you'll see Mayberry, Mayberry locations. Mm. It's the same set they use for um, Mayberry. And you can see, oh, what was the barber's name? Uh, Pete? Barber. Oh, I don't you know. You can see well, some of the Star Trek episodes. You can see his barber shop <laughs> as they're walking through streets. It's great. But why um, would people from the future choose that era? Like, why not? Hey, the 2020s were pretty great. Let's make a city based out of that. It, it, logically it makes no next to no sense but in you like as a viewer it's a total homage in original series it is but it makes no sense in universe politically i get a little frustrated with the idealization of small town america 
Uh-huh. Like, oh, you know, this politician represents small town values and real Americans. And I was like, I see it, but I just rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> yeah. Like most of America lives in big cities and big cities are pretty great. Like it's not a sc- hive of scum and villainy. Uh-huh. You know, what's so bad about big city America? Anyway, I want to see like a Star Trek colony that decide to emulate New York City. Come on. What's wrong with that? <laughs> um, so the Gorn up here um i was trying to think like man i would be so terrified if that thing just came through my atmosphere that big big ship (laughs) well i would be scared if anything came through our atmosphere (laughs) uh maybe (laughs) but yes especially something that large Mm -hmm. that's just weird that was a neat visual i thought that was an amazing special effect and a way to start the episode yes that it was you rarely see ships come into atmosphere because they don't need to Uh but i don't know why the Gorn would do that. Clearly they have transporters, as we'll get into, but it was a neat visual. It's about terrifying. That's right. It's about I mean, totally it is. It's about terrifying the people you're about to invade hmm. and eat hmm. for lunch. Second the Gorn are very good at being scary. Mm, that's, well, in this show, not so much in TOS. <laughs> and not as much in Enterprise anymore. I haven't gone back to watch that in the Mirror Darkly episode. It's not... Bad. You just know the visuals are from early 2000s. It's not the worst, but it's, it's, it's a graphic effect outside of its time. Or yeah. in its time, whatever. But we're watching it outside of its time. It'd be interesting if they went back and did a remaster of Enterprise like they did for TNG and TOS with new special effects. It could be neat. I want to see them replace that early CGI Gorn on Enterprise with a guy in a rubber suit. <laughs> Can't be worse. Uh huh. Captain Pike and Patel have a moment. The Gorn come in. Um, you know, I was really watching this. Like, I didn't really. I was like, I had fun watching this episode, but I don't know how much I actually have to say about it. My notes are so short. Oh, I have. I mean, there are lots of things I can think about. It's like I can talk about it, but I didn't have like. There's nothing like like. Last few episodes, we had some deep thoughts about this, and I don't have deep thoughts because it's an action movie this time. Should we get Jack Handy on the phone? <laughs> yeah, his deep thoughts with Jack Handy. I mean, like, we got to see pilot Ortegas. We got to see Ortegas finally in her element piloting a shuttle that she's been begging for for two seasons. And Pike had very high praise for her. Erica, <laughs> you were born for this. I uh-huh. love it when he uses first names. Yes. It's a close connection. He's close to his crew. However, yeah. I was getting so nervous for Ortegas. They put her on screen too much <laughs> and too friendly jovial. Mm. And, uh,. If this would not have been a to be continued, I would have been honestly nervous that because of tropes and because of what TV series do of Ortega surviving to the end. Still don't know. Maybe part two, if we ever get that. Um, uh, apparently, they were going to start filming the day that um, uh, the stri- writer strike started. So oh. apparently that's what I hear. I can't confirm this, but um, well, I'm scared for Ortega's safety. Well, when you talk about tropes, the good news is. She hasn't done drugs. She hasn't had sex. <laughs> you know, that's how you get killed in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So I think she's fine. Uh, I hope so. I know the actress herself had some issues. Like her, her partner died after season one before yeah. season two. Um, so that's why she kind of had a little smaller part. I found out why Captain Pike's not around as much because he had a baby. Oh. Um, right, uh, not too long before filming started, so they gave him a smaller role this season so he could be found in the home with his family. I'd forgotten Aww. the name of the kid and I didn't know the timing. So that's why he's not around as much this season, is because he was given basically a lot more paternal time. 
Yeah, I tend to forget that kids exist. <laughs> wow, he's 50 years old, which yeah. is not at all too old to have it. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, if I were... Uh, I'm just looking at... Yeah, they welcomed their first daughter December of 2021. Uh, he married his longtime girlfriend in 2018. Aw. Mm-hmm. I just think it's cute to think of a 50-year-old with a girlfriend. <laughs> I want to be that guy. <laughs> I, I, I have to, like, sculpt the hell out of the jaw, though. <laughs> and the hair needs to get taller. Right, right. But why are we singing? So anytime that there is an alien invasion on a planet that is very Earth-like, the first thing you need to do, this is very important for your safety, you have to find all the trash cans and all the barrels oh, and set them on fire. Set them on fire, throw them everywhere, as much junk in the streets as you can get. I mean, actually, right. it's not actually kind of real. Is it? <laughs> you want to try to halt, slow down the events. It's not going to do much for Gorn because they jump and whatever. But, like, you want to try to slow down the enemy as much as possible. You put as much trash in their way. But, like, I didn't see any oil barrels or drum barrels. Like, all of a sudden, this becomes a scene from the video game Final Fight. You know, like, they're just like, hey, go go to the barrel supply <laughs> store. Get all of them. Roll them out. Light them, fill them with newspaper. Light them on fire. Like, Sabriel, if somebody told me to set something on fire while I was out on the street, I wouldn't be able to. Like, I don't have matches or a lighter or two <laughs> rocks to bang together, guys. So uh, They had the traditional uh, sci-fi um, crates, industrial crates. Yes. Uh, yep, yep. Um, but... Yeah, uh, they did a really good job of making this city sound, look like it got attacked. The Whoever was in charge of Blood Splatter this week, um, <laughs> hope they got paid really well. I wonder if that's a job. It has to be. I mean, I noticed that the credits for this show and for a lot of movies, because I just went to see Indiana Jones 5, there are still COVID-19 professionals in the yeah. credits for these shows. Uh, even though, I mean, granted the shows we're seeing have, are, were filmed before, May 11th, 2023, which is supposedly when the pandemic ended in the United States. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's so, been over. Eyes right. rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're totally not going to talk about how I just went to a convention that ended with a 34% infection rate <laughs> and how PAX Unplugged and PAX West and Dragon Con and so many other events are not having masks or vaccines. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to talk about that because this is a Star Trek show. <laughs> um, uh, seeing behind the scenes clips, especially of um, Space Rhapsody watching the crew all practice their moves while they're wearing masks and everything like that. So they were heavily masking on set unless they're cool. filming. Good. Because um, I've seen community theater productions get completely derailed when all of a sudden one of the actors comes down with COVID <laughs> and they don't have an understudy or they do. And the understudy has COVID and they miss out on an entire week of runs. And that's money that the theater needed. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we find out Patel's okay. Oh, no, okay, well, okay, let's back we... up, let's back up. I mean, no, Patel... no, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm gonna get, I'm getting there. Uh, okay. Back up. Uh, Ortega's being a genius, and let's just pretend we're garbage, you know, like, the whole, that's uh, space trash. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. Um, and seeing her not crash, uh, it's fun to get down there, um, touch on that, but then we get down there, and uh, we're hiding at the barbershop, we're seeing the baby going running around, why are they hungry already? There were some things that felt unanswered here, and I'm not sure... If it needs to be answered, but things felt unfinished. And we didn't know if we were going to get a two-parter. At least I didn't. Until I the didn't. end. And so, but some things felt unfinished. I'm going to cover more of that too, like with Pelia. Um, uh, but why are the Gorn hungry so soon? Like how, what, 
What was the time span before Enterprise getting here and landing? It feels like we missed a big chunk of time. And these Gorn are not eating each other. Yeah, well, one they, they ate the one that they shot. That's it. True, but they. But you're right. They're not usually when Gorn are born, they are attacking each other fresh out of the womb. Uh huh. And here they seem more collaborative. So. Well, they were by this age. They're being collaborative in the last season too, uh, working but, together. But, yeah, but one of the folks, one of the members of the Enterprise, said, "Like, I think Laan said, this is." Why are the Gorn acting like this? This is not normal. Yeah, there was odd behavior, and that was an unresolved thing. Like, there were some things set up that were odd that they didn't weren't answered here. It felt like I'm sure if once we finally get season three, it will be. If they remember, <laughs> uh, who knows how long it'll be? But um, there were some things that just felt oddly untouched. Yeah, and I think that's acceptable for a two-parter. Normally it is, but sometimes, you know, it's still some things like that. It just felt like weird. It felt, something felt off to me with that one. And the other one, I guess I'll just do it now before I forget. Um, uh, back on Enterprise, Pelia seemed oddly uncomfortable in ways we haven't seen Pelia. That whole and, scene with her and Ahura in the hallway was yeah, weird. Yeah, exactly. It felt off. And I'm like, obviously someone's be scared like maybe my brain just goes to is Pelia scared of the gorn she's afraid of dying because she's so old but I, but like something feels off and it was unanswered completely untouched i wrote down my note for this is no idea what it means yet but because it, it didn't share it with us but Pelia Pelia seemed uneasy when talking to uhura something we haven't seen her before and my there was theory, no clue yeah like she was working on things that were not important and she had odd reactions to uhura and my theory as to what was going on there was bad writing. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I just I can't think of anything else. Um, we didn't. We should mention something with the deflector, the sh- deflector array to, for the Gorn thing, but like, but it was not something we had established her setting up to do. She seemed oddly not there. Yeah, and and was just very. So it's a, another thing that was set up but unanswered, and maybe we'll get it in part two. But it felt weird that we're not getting this. Like, usually you kind of set that up. It's like, there was no scene of like, oh, I've just been, I'm terrified of the Gorn. You know, like that would have been it. But, yeah, and we can infer that. But that's the kind of thing that's usually mentioned by the characters in Star Trek. And maybe since she's immortal, she just sees other people's lives as ephemeral and thus not valuable. So like, yeah, people are down down on the surface. People die all the time. Like, I know uh, people I in the real world who behave like that yeah but i didn't feel like that for Pelia here no that i haven't seen that attitude from her in any other episode so it'd be strange to you know dust it off now uh-huh i don't get it and yeah that's another thing that just felt odd so but back on the planet um we see scotty we have another legacy character i was uh, ken's not gonna like this ken does not <laughs> like this as soon as he steps out with a scottish accent i was like okay okay we saw Lorca pretend to be an engineer with a Scottish accent. Maybe this is just another homage. Maybe if I'm lucky. And then he says, Montgomery Scott. I was like, nope. Damn it. (laughs) This is truly a TOS prequel. And they're trying to assemble the crew, which is weird because Scotty didn't join the enterprise until Kirk was captain. And he's not going to meet Kirk in this episode. Uh What's the weird part though? What's the assumption you're making? Like he doesn't need to be there. Like how does this lead into TOS? It doesn't. As far as I can see so far. We don't nothing said he's gonna be stationed on the Enterprise now. And no. was he did he join when Kirk joined or did he step before? 
Uh, so I had this conversation with a coworker just recently because it started off with my coworker saying two things that were incorrect. One was that Pike's accident is only a year or two away. And mm-hmm. second, that Scotty was already captain when Kirk joined. And neither of those things is correct. The accident is at least seven years away in Star Trek time. And according to everything I have found, Montgomery Scott was chief engineer of the Enterprise under Captain Kirk only. So he's he's not replacing Pelia anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But I, since he isn't, like, what's the point of him being here? It could be any engineer. Why does it have to be Scotty? Could be. But then, I mean, story-wise, we have make a connection to the character. I don't know the validity of Scott's role on Enterprise before. I don't know if it was ever mentioned in the show or people are just making the assumption because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, I don't have no, any problem with just seeing these little hints of these characters. Because uh, we don't... It, yes, it is, of course, it is a show made for Trekkies. Uh, maybe universe that makes no sense for these people. They're not together. Uh, Spock and Uhura have never not met this Scotty yet. Uh, maybe they won't even up by the end of the episode. Uh, well, here's a different reason to be uncomfortable with Scotty appearing and Kirk appearing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is because it reminds us that everybody who is currently stationed on the Enterprise, with mm-hmm. the exception of Spock and Uhura, will be gone by the time. Kirk becomes captain. So uh-huh. like Ortegas, Mitchell, Pelia, Laan, they're all going to be gone. And that could mean something as simple as a transfer to another ship or it could be something more portentous. I don't see this as a bad thing because we just know it's going to happen. But I don't need to be reminded of that. Like what what like what if every episode of SNW started with a black screen with a white disclaimer saying warning by the time Captain Picard becomes captain, all the characters you were about to see will be dead. <laughs> like, we know that, but we don't need to be reminded of it. That's odd. I don't make that connection at all to me. Because, uh, like, what what year is it in Strange New Worlds? Like, 20, year... it's about 2255 or 2265. Oh, it's like 2266? Yeah, I don't know. So. That was 2259. That was, uh, and when does Kirk take over? I think 2265. Okay. So we got six more in-universe years. <laughs> yeah, um, and exactly. Why rush it? Don't bring Scotty in yet. No, no one has been stationed on the Enterprise yet that hasn't already been established. Like, Kirk's not there. McCoy's not there. Um, Are we going to meet McCoy? Got, we've already got three people. Are we going to see Bones and Sulu and Chekhov? Maybe. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, like like, Kirk as commander of the Farragut should be encountering Scotty in his missions. Why? So that when he becomes captain of the Enterprise, he's like, oh, you know what? I met this great engineer. Let's bring him aboard. I suppose if, if you want to go with the, the... I don't know if it's established that Scotty joined with Kirk. I mean, there's always the opportunity to play fast and lose with the timeline and change things uh-huh. around. You know, like they're not going warp 15 anymore. <laughs> right. And of course, I, they change their uniform. Like I change underwear. Uh huh. And so, like, like we don't know everyone's towards of duty before um, uh, Enterprise, or excuse me, original series starts. For all we know, Spock and Uhura go off on their ship for a bit before they're brought back to Enterprise on between missions, like their five year missions. And uh, you know, like 
There's a lot of unknowns, and they can play fast and loose. I have no problem seeing next crew because they still have six more years to get to where we see them in the in the original series. Okay, so let me. So you said you have no problem, which is a neutral statement. Do you enjoy seeing Scotty show up? Yeah, I thought it was okay. neat. Um, his role in this episode, though, they kept make to me. It felt like they're they were trying to make him feel mysterious, like something is going on. Oh, I, both viewings of this episode, I'm like, why are they treating? scotty in this like he's hiding something oh interesting uh, especially I didn't get the that. first like even ortegas mentioned it like that's mysterious and then he describes how we got to the planet but because uh, he wasn't giving them answers they were looking for right away huh. but, like to me they just kept coming off as like and i don't think it was intentional because i don't know what he would be hiding but it felt like they're trying to make it so we shouldn't necessarily trust scotty i'm like but that makes no sense i just kept getting that sense both viewings interesting i didn't get that yeah. I only watched it once, and I've seen a lot of Orville since then. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and it's like, I don't know what they're trying to hide or imply, but um, it just felt weird. Or maybe they were just holding him back as a legacy character. I mean, he's Lieutenant Junior Grade. <laughs> uh, I do like that Pelia knew him. Uh-huh. Apparently, she why. just had everybody as a student, which I'm okay with. It's oh, she, convenient. Wasn't she head of engineering or something like that before she ran away to the Enterprise? That she was like she was the head trainer or head person in Starfleet Engineering or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I'm not going to pull up memory. Have a high position. I'm just going to go there. I mean, I remember she was originally on board to do some sort of inspection mm-hmm. before the Enterprise got stolen by the crew. She was some like major role. I don't remember what. It's not really relevant. She, she's just yeah, but, but but she was teaching at Starfleet Academy. That's how she uh-huh. knew Number One and Scotty. And she even said like. To number one, if you had been this smart in my class, maybe you would have gotten an A as a reminder. <laughs> Which also felt weird to me yeah. in that ready room. Like, like, it didn't feel like the line fit to me. Well, it felt to me like what number one had just said was pretty obvious. Yeah, that's why I'm like, this feels weird. Like, yeah. Why are you saying this now? Like, oh, you get an A for stating the obvious. Yeah. If only you had stated the obvious when you were one of my students. I mean, and one of those things, like, is this obvious because we're Star Trek fans and we've seen this kind of stuff before? Like, in-universe, is it not so obvious? Like, it just felt like, it felt like pandering in a way that Star Trek, not necessarily teaching us, like, what's the phrasing I'm going? Some good storytelling treats its audience like they're intelligent. Hmm. A lot of sitcoms do not. True. Or really procedurals. Like, if you watch Castle, um... Or Chuck, especially early 90s, I don't know, but or, or late, early 2000s, they go through and tell you, make sure to recap exactly their plan, what happened since the last commercial break, and uh, what's they run through like this. And you'll see it in older Star Trek 2 when you watch for it. And this felt like a fallback to that kind of writing, uh, like treating us like they were not intelligent and stating the obvious for the audience, assuming they're dumb. For what it's worth, there are people I have watched TV with who need that spelled out for them. Yeah. So yeah, it's this, not there. It's just, it felt like they were selling themselves short to me. Like yes. they're, they're not doing the normal Star Trek strange new worlds writing. Brief anecdote about needing things spelled out. I used to watch days of our lives, the mm-hmm. daytime. So yeah, Marlena, exactly. Her too. The devil. <laughs> yes. And do you know that they did that again recently? No, <laughs> like two years ago, she got possessed by the devil again. <laughs> Anyway, that's not where this is going. Uh, so the villain was Stefano Demera, and still around, huh? 
He's not. The actor passed oh. away. Okay. Yeah. But the chief of police was Abe Carver. And there was a scene where Abe Carver was like, you know, one of those dramatic moments where he just ends with him staring at the camera. He's like, if only we knew what Stefano was up to. A long pause. And then the next scene after they come back from commercial is like Stefano and he's and he's plotting, you know, talking to himself. Here's what I'm going to do. So one fan of the show, a viewer taped that and sent it to Abe Carver and said, this is what Stefano's up to. You were wondering. And here it is. (laughs) Because she had that divorce from reality and thought like. I'll spell things out for Abe Carver. The show is spelling them out for me. Uh-huh. That's what Abe needs. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway. Uh, so, moving on a little bit. So, you had theorized that now that we know Captain Patel's first name, and now that she is going on a secret mission because they had to postpone their vacation, that's something yep. bad was going to happen to her. Yep. And she survived the initial assault, but then they pulled a total Alien 3. Uh-huh. Like I was I, right when that happened, I was like, I know exactly what's going on because I yep. saw this back in 1992 with Sigourney Weaver. Uh-huh. You know, the Gorn apparently do not attack their own or they at least don't attack those that they've impregnated, if that's the right word. So she pulls up her arm and like, yeah, I got bitten by the zombie. Big surprise. Uh-huh. But now it's to be continued whether or not she will survive. And I'm really torn on whether or not she should. Um, now she will. She's left this, she went this long. Uh, she will now. It's the, unless they subvert expectations. But I was right. She was incapacitated in some way. Um, <laughs> it was so obvious. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. Now have we earned her death or have we earned her to live? I don't know. Well, here's the thing. If she survives, what does that mean for Hemmer's death? They didn't, they didn't have the... What that means is they didn't have a way to help her Helm at the time. It just feels like it... I, even I mean, now, yes. even now, Christine was like, I don't know if I can fix this. Yeah. And there's an argument to be made that just like they've developed new weapons, which we now know work, maybe they've developed new medical technologies. Things are different from just a year ago when Hemmer passed away. But at the same time, I also wonder whatever they do for Marie Patel, couldn't they have done for Hemmer? Like, is it just because Hemmer didn't give them a chance? Is it because he they even chose- say that specifically? Like, I think almost word for word. Yeah. He didn't give us a chance. Oh, I know. I know. But that implies that Hemmer could have survived if only he had given them a chance. And that's really sad. I liked Hemmer. I loved Hemmer too. But I don't think it cheapens his death or any way. I don't think it huh. takes anything away from that. I feel like the reason Hemmer chose to go out into the cold, just like Andoria, and then step off the ship, is because he felt that it was inevitable and that this was the best way to save his crew. And if we now find out it was not inevitable, I feel like that's a cheapening of his sacrifice a bit. Interesting. I don't feel that way. It's been so long since then. And we don't know if he would have been helped. I don't know. We don't know. Exactly. We'll never know. But as for it being so long, on the other hand, this is like, oh, it's the final... Season of it's the final episode of a season of Strange New Worlds. We better have somebody get impregnated by the Gorn because <laughs> that's <laughs> oh. how we do things here on Star Trek. It just oh. seems very cyclical in a way. Uh, re watching the episode this morning, um, I didn't Patel was acting, acting odd toward Pike. 
It's like, oh, you should have come. Why are you doing this? Why? She wasn't happy to see him. She was relieved, but not happy. Yep. And we didn't know why. But I didn't catch that first time really as closely because I, now I know what, why she's acting the way she was. It just added more context to adding why she was feeling the way she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go back and watch that scene. Although, when we meet again, like, Pike's all happy to see her. She's like, looking for all these excuses why you can't be here to save us. Uh, it just adds more to the scene. I think it was just really well done when you know what, why. And even without her self being at risk, uh-huh. she might have still been justified in that response. You know, there are plenty of times where TV shows, movies, people have said, why did you come to save me? I was trying to save you by telling you not to come. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. now we're both going to die. And, you know, that's, what they like, were trying, that's what they were implying here until we find out the real answer. Yeah. It's kind of like in Titanic. Like, if she had just gotten on the boat like Jack wanted her to, they both might have lived. But she's like, no, I'm going to stay with you, Jack. And then they and then he dies. Good job. <laughs> you killed him. Good job. Shark Spoiler, by the way. <laughs> yes, Titanic sink. Spoiler. <laughs> what? <laughs> All the way back in 1912. Anyway. We see Scott, he's a genius even then. He's a miracle worker. We got the seeds of that. Did they actually call him that? No. But he was totally a miracle worker. He was constantly telling them all these little tricks he did to save himself. Well, it was Ohura and Pelia who came up with the idea of how to take out the communications array, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Spock made some tactical errors here. Which part? Several. Well, first of all, I don't think you should activate the rockets to send the ship into the atmosphere while you're still in the ship. You know, just for starters. Uh-huh. Uh, also, I thought it... I guess we don't really need more explanation for why Christine survived, because Spock had said there were pockets of atmosphere... Uh, she wasn't in engineering. I'm, I'm sorry, sick bay. But here's the thing: like Spock had just said, "I am upset, but I have not yet given up to grief because there's a chance that she might be alive." And then he says, "And if she is alive, she's on the ship that I'm about to send into the atmosphere." <laughs> like he doesn't say that, but if he hadn't found her in time, he would have been the cause of her death indirectly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, if you think she's alive on the ship, you should spend more time looking for her before you activate the rockets. Desperate times come for desperate measures. Like, he was willing to go through not knowing to save the crew. Which is the same thing he decided in the very first episode of the season when he said to fire on the ship that she was on with the doctor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely precedent. But And he would have known and he would have lived with that not knowing for all the rest of his life. Yep. I mean, yeah, no, it's hard when you think about level the next level. Like he doesn't, he was ready to do that to save the others. The others, so I don't think that was a tactical error because he didn't know what we knew. But it was weird to me that they had to like, I'm the only one who can put these virtual rockets on the ship. <laughs> well, I'm glad you remind me of that because what we saw him doing didn't look very complicated. <laughs> well, apparently, there was some off-screen in his head. He's calculating like we could do this, this, this because we see him in like Star Trek Four. You know, calculate these paths to go around the sun in his head, like his best, his best guess. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it felt weird. Like there was an okay, I guess Spock's the only one who can do this. Like we just had to accept this. It felt weird because you're right, nothing about this felt. Yeah, it like felt basically, like he cut some he, things. He applied the super glue and pushed the on button. Wow. Uh-huh. By the way, brief aside, I loved in Picard season three 
when they were like, we can use a slingshot method to go around the sun, just like the original Enterprise did. And they're like, yeah, oh. but they had Spock. Yeah. That you know, so that's a very good point that you just made about him being able to calculate that. The only other person who can do it is a Borg queen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We're, we, we know Spock is smart, and I guess they didn't have to tell us, but nothing in the episode made me feel like, yes, yeah, Spock was the one who had to do this, not just because Christine's still on there. That's right. Uh-huh. They had, it would not have been as meaningful if it was like Pelia and Nurse Chapel get reunited uh-huh. on the, yeah. what was the name of the ship that went? The Cayuga. Cayuga, yeah. Weird. I loved uh, Pike's reaction when he saw Nurse Chapel. I just gave uh-huh. her a big hug. I love. I've mentioned many times on this podcast. I love it when Star Trek characters hug. Uh, but one more thing, back on the Cayuga, objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Yes. Why did Spock? And, is it like they were actually on atmosphere when he got out of the out of the ship on floating out of the bridge? I'm like, they would have kept going. And why are they burning through reentry as well? Yes. I just be like. Just because you exit the flying body. like Like You still have momentum in space. (laughs) Yeah, like just because you don't have a rocket attached to you. Like maybe they applied reverse thrusters on their own spacesuits. Uh We didn't see that. But yeah, you would not just stop moving forward just because you get out of the ship. I mean, you also don't freeze immediately when you go into space like dude did in a couple episodes ago um, with the uh, dilithium creatures. Yeah. Yes. You don't freeze immediately like that, but I guess it, you're right. It felt so awkward in action movie like and not it felt off. Yeah. And it was a very obvious way that took me out for a moment in both viewings. <laughs> I mean, we've seen in Star Trek into Darkness where they do like space skydiving. Uh-huh. And they're in outer space and they don't have their thrusters going the whole time. They use them for adjustments, but once they get going, they just turn them off because you maintain momentum. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, unless you're Spock and Shaffle. Right. Um, so that, that was disappointing to me. Yeah. There were some parts of this episode that just felt off. And not because it's a two-parter. Yeah. But it not, but still, I had fun. But I didn't have anything deep to think about this episode. And yet we've been talking for a half an hour. No, but I don't think it's deep. <laughs> you're selling us short. People are going to stop listening to our podcast. This I is deep, Sabriel. I didn't this say it was deep. bad. We don't need everything to be deep. This was just about, meant to be a popcorn uh, episode. Um, really? I mean, it's a summer blockbuster episode that now we're, we're not going to get the next. We don't know when we're going to get part two. It could be a year, year, two years from now. Well, let's talk about that because you and I were chatting offline about how rare cliffhangers are. And we've seen them. And you point out to me on lower decks. Uh, we had, you know, the end of season two where the captain gets arrested and gets resolved at the beginning of season three. And I pointed out in Enterprise at the end of season three, we're like, okay, we're done with the Zindi. Now you can have some Nazis. But in both of those cases, it feels more like we're done with one arc. We're mm-hmm. going to start another one and immediately go to a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. Whereas in Time Zero and Descent and Best of Both Worlds, all from TNG, and now in this episode, this actually feels like it's one arc that's broken in half. So that's a distinction from the kinds of cliffhangers we've been seeing lately. Well, TV has just changed since the 90s, too. In Star Trek, particularly, we get arcs now instead of... And Strange New Worlds doesn't have one continuous arc episode. Episode is more like the 90s show. So, uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I hadn't thought about it until now, just talking like 
Yeah, it makes sense. This is more than 90s style to be continued. I hadn't thought of that either, but you're right. SNW of all the Star Treks we've been seeing lately are is the, the oldest in style of storytelling. So it makes sense that it would use an old style cliffhanger. Uh-huh. I like it. It also it, like, did you do you remember if you spent that summer trying to figure out if Riker was actually going to destroy the Borg cube? Oh, I didn't spend the time thinking about it, but I really remember like screaming like, "What? I have to wait all summer for this!" Like, I remember asking my parents like, "What? What's going on? Why did that say to be continued? I had to wait all summer." <laughs> uh, but I didn't like think about like what's going to happen. I, mean, like, I wanted to know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? But I didn't. Yeah, because this was well before online communities. Uh-huh. And so I like there was no crowdsourcing of ideas. We probably would have figured out, oh, the Borg now know everything he knows. But back then we weren't thinking about that. Like, the Borg were I wasn't a fairly on new enemy. Boards. I was too young. <laughs> Say what? I wasn't on the bulletin boards and everything. I was too young. I was probably on dial up bulletin boards, but I don't think we were talking about Star Trek. We were playing online games like Trade Wars and Lord of the Red <laughs> Dragon. Huh. So yeah, I, I, but now we have these forums and I try not to be a part of them <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Yeah, uh, some of the worst communities <laughs> are the fans. <laughs> yeah, like most of the people I interact with on Reddit are great actually, but that's those aren't the ones I focus on. And I've gotten crap even in, there's a subreddit called Pet the Damn Dog. And somebody <laughs> told me I was petting the dog wrong. I was like, really? <laughs> really? People are the worst. Uh, hell is other people. So I'm trying to cut back on my anonymous social media. Uh, I'm spending a little bit more time in places like Discord, where it's more mm-hmm. of a curated community. But yeah, I do, there is no curated Star Trek community that I'm a part of. And I don't have, I mean, that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. We don't have a lot of other people to talk to about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we have enough information, even you know, 30 years later with online communities, to accurately predict what's going to happen next. Yeah, no. Because even at the end of this episode, this is something I read in an online review. It's rare to see Pike either afraid or indecisive. Yeah, that was such an odd twist. I don't know if it was the right way to end the episode. Did you recognize the transporter signature? Oh, when... yeah, 100% right away. I'm like, that's weird. I thought it was weird, but I didn't think beyond that. Uh-huh. And then when they said the Gorn captured them, I was like, oh, now that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I caught right away. If it had been the Enterprise that beamed up the people on the on the surface, this would not have been a two-parter. Uh-huh. Like that's that's the cliffhanger, and well, that and Marie Patel, but like they could have just grabbed their people, hightailed it out of there to somewhere safe in Federation space, and that's it. Uh huh. So I was caught by surprise by that. Pike was caught by surprise by that, and he hates leaving people behind, but he also has to think about the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. And I, that's maybe this ties into why I don't like Scotty showing up this season, because as I said, it's a reminder that people are going to be gone and we never see Ortegas in any other Star Trek show that is aired to date. The only reason I'm not as afraid as I think I should be is because she was with Mbenga and we know like he has plot armor. He shows mm-hmm. up in TOS. He's going to be okay. It doesn't mean everybody he's with is going to be okay. But we know that there will be at least a partially successful rescue attempt. Uh huh. Oh man, whole episode. All I can think of is like, well, they're okay. They're okay. They're okay. Kirk's okay. Uh, Pike's okay. Mbenga's okay. Um, the whole episode. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Um, I caught the beam right away. But they did the they did the 
they did the Star Starfleet sound. Oh, with it. That's why it was not as obvious if you don't watch the graphic. But then, mm. then when they pop over, they cut to um, uh, other people beaming over. Other people beaming over. So, um, uh, so they did a little trickery there. So if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't have caught that. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, poor Laon. Imagine Laon going through this now. She with the whole Gorn her backstory, and now all of a sudden she's on a Gorn ship again. Oh, I, for, I lost track of her. I forgot that she was one of the people who was abducted. Uh-huh. So she's going to help everyone survive. We don't know her fate. Ortegas was seen a little too much in, this, in the first half of this episode. Uh, she got a little more screen time than she normally does. So I was nervous about her. Um, will everyone get it back? I don't know. But it is. There's the potential for Strange New Worlds to air for many more seasons to come. Uh-huh. We don't know that that's going to happen. We, th- I didn't know Discovery was going to air for only five. But if Strange New Worlds is going to be around for seven seasons, it seems early to be killing off their main characters. Like, they already killed off one last season. Are they going to kill uh-huh. off one every season until finally they have the entire TOS crew? Oh, see? Now, now they can... No one died in season two. Um, uh, but people will die... Be- people might die because of season two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kess was around for a few episodes with 709 still. True, uh, but she never died. She didn't die. Uh, but no, I'm not going for the death part. I just like, they could still come back and then be gone after an episode or two. I didn't mm. get that. Um, uh, so I don't think anyone is, I don't think anyone is safe yet. Or those two are safe yet. And Orbital. I don't want them to go because... Because we didn't, we never got or our our Ortega's episode this season like we were told we were gonna get. Um, oh, were we told we were gonna get an Ortega? Yeah, episode? she said like, oh yeah, oh well. I think the inference was she's like, oh yeah, Ortega is gonna get so much more in season two. I think we all inferred, mm-hmm. a lot of community inferred she's gonna get an episode like everyone else has on the bridge. Um, but it didn't happen. She never got an episode. But she did get to both a fly a shuttle and b wear a hat. And now what we learned about Ortega this season. Is that she flies the ship? Yes, the pilot seat is her realm. Uh huh. Um, my, my my reference there being like we didn't learn much about her at all this season. No, and that's a bummer because I was so hopeful. We learned so much about the rest of the crew, you know, seasons one and two, and Ortega is kind of to me as one of my favorite characters. I think it's a bummer that she did not get as much. Well, on the bright side, when Discovery teaches us more about the cast and crew, it's very often for us. Like, thank you for letting me on this mission, oh my Captain. God. My father was blah, blah, blah. And we were raised on a like, blah, blah, blah. And like, Ensign, we are running away. We need to go. Like, yeah, but hold on, Captain. I want to give you my plot point. <laughs> like, this reminds me of a time when I, my family was in the invasion. <laughs> yeah. So at least Ortegas isn't doing that. Yeah. And at least Pike isn't breaking out into song every 10 minutes. So that's a victory. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Um, that's what I was thinking. I have been listening to the soundtrack for the past week. What too. I do is I, I started on the finale. Uh-huh. And then it goes right from that to the outro credits. And then it goes into the intro credits because it loops back to the beginning of the album. Mm-hmm. And then it plays the first musical number. I'm like, those are the four best parts of the show, in my opinion. Yeah, so I, yeah. I start near the end, it cycles back to the beginning, and then I let it play all the way through the end. And I, I listen to all the songs, but those four are my favorite. I've been listening to Status Report all week. It's a good and, one. Uh-huh. Yeah, all week. And what's fun is you listen to it often enough, and all of a sudden you realize, 
I know all the lyrics. I can yep. sing along. Yep. And yep. then your roommates I, hate you. Um, I, yeah, th- those songs have grown on me so much since then. But uh, I guess we should do a quick chat about the whole season itself. Um, yes. Very quick. Um, I liked this season a lot. If I were to give it a score, I would probably rate it just a tiny lower than season one. Why? And I don't know if season one is because it was newer and it's mm. more exciting. Um, and I still love the season. It doesn't mean it was bad. I just haven't felt overall as passionate about season two as I did season one. And I don't know exactly the point. I mean, there was less pike for reasons we talked about. Um, uh, there was a lot of fun this season, but I think, well, I mean, Lotus Eaters, I hated that episode. I didn't have any episodes I hated the first season. There were episodes that were weak in the first season, but like I hated Lotus Cedars. Hmm. Was that the zombie episode? No, that was the forgetful episode. Oh yes, that's right. Um, basically, the, to me, the season had a hard miss on one episode and it kind of took things down. I wouldn't say it ruined the season, not by any means. It just took it down a peg. I thought the first episode of the first season wasn't great, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it, it's mediocre. It's mid. I think yeah, I don't think that, it's bad, but not bad like Lotus Eaters. Yeah. Okay. I with you. The first two episodes, even um, season one, um, uh, where we learn um, number one is um, Lurian. Ill- Illyrian. Um, no, that's uh, what Pelia is, isn't it? Illyrian. 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 Wait, wait what's Pelia? Uh, Lanthanite. That's right. Um, yeah, like like number one's episode with the um the light people like and everyone's like light. There were some fun moments in there, but I think it's a weak episode. I mean, so like there was some weakness in season one. I can enjoy it, but here with that Lotus Eaters kind of like took the sting out of it. And we didn't quite learn the whole eye thing. Like I inferred maybe it has to do with the general, but don't know for sure. But overall, I think the season was weaker, but not in a dramatic way. Yeah, I agree with you that some of it is a matter of it being new because after getting Discovery and Picard to suddenly get strange new worlds was just a breath of fresh air. And again, I really like those other shows, but it was so different. And strange new world season two is not different from season one, mm-hmm. you know, so it doesn't have that new car smell anymore. Yeah. Uh, also, I feel like the tonal shifts were more significant. Like it really, <laughs> it really vacillated to, like the first season vacillated, like it, it had a, a keen and an, an even keel and it went a little bit this way for the fun episodes, like the, the Vulcan body swap. And it went a little bit that way to the dark stuff where a dying kid powers a season or a, a city. And that was fine. But this season, like let's go all the way fun with a musical episode. And then let's go all the way dark with a PTSD war episode. So it went, it leaned harder in both directions. Uh And I really love that Strange New Worlds can encompass that variety, that it fits, but it is a bit more of a shift for the viewers to accommodate. Yeah, I think it was helped there by the week to week. We had a whole week to take it in. But if you were binging this and all of a sudden you go through those highs and lows, it's going to be a massive change. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been to Star Trek, and then this is a good reason why. Uh, like, um, my partners, uh, they had not seen the Klingon General episode until after we watched um, Subspace Rhapsody. I warn you, this episode's really heavy. 
and then um, we can come back to watch that one. And I mean, they were, she was glad we did, but like it's quite a, it's a, quite lot. a total shift. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you're going from the lower decks crossover to the musical episode, like that makes total sense, but you got the Klingon general in the middle or ambassador mm-hmm. in the middle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but I, I do still really like strange new worlds. I, oh, I I'm it. very much looking it. forward to uh-huh. season three. I love the characters. I love the actors. I actually went back and I rewatched the, announcement video they did a couple years ago where they showed who was cast in the show uh-huh. and who they'd be playing. And it's so fun to look at them now and be like, I feel like I've, I've been on the show with you for two seasons now. And here right. you are just so excited to announce that you're even on the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, I, I still love the show and I still want to awesome. see more. And so I think we're in this weird space where we hear that they've st- they were going to start recording their filming season three, but they haven't, haven't actually announced season three yet or made it official like they renewed i don't think we've been officially told it's been renewed but then i'm hearing that oh yeah they're supposed to start filming <laughs> like maybe this is normal but and we don't usually have a writer's strike to hide the fact that they're filming yeah yeah I, as far as i know there's been no official announcement that there is a season three yeah so i guess now i guess we don't know anymore because if the strike happens for so long <laughs> we don't know yeah. if there will ever be which right. sucks this cliffhanger will never get resolved in uh-huh. Alpha Canon. Studios, please get your act together and pay your people. <laughs> please. Yeah. Treat your your talent well. Uh-huh. But we do know that we're getting a fourth season of Lower Decks starting next month, September yes, 7th. September 7th. Uh, right. Less than a month. So if you want to cancel, <laughs> you're not going to have much time in between. To, you're not going to get a month off. So they were planning that very well. Yeah. We're probably going to be talking about Lower Decks. We've been doing every other episode of Strange New Worlds with Lower Decks episodes being half as long. We might do it like every three or four episodes. Just bunch a whole bunch together. Yeah, and I don't have a lot to say about Lower Decks. It's usually too much laughter. <laughs> Which is why we bunch them together. You yeah. know, across four episodes, we can think of something to say. Uh, September 7th is right after Dragon Con, which I previously said I'm going to. And then September 8th, I actually have a long drive. I'm going from Atlanta to Boston. So I don't know if we'll be reviewing the pilot episode or the, pre- the season premiere, rather. Uh, but we'll definitely be back. Transporter Lock is going to take a little break because there are no new episodes coming out, and so nothing for us to review until Lower Decks. But we'll definitely be back, right, Bree? That's right. Until we return next month. Hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at Transporter Lock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at transporterlock.com. I was trying to think of something pithy, but I didn't have it. <laughs> or witty or clever. For the first time, I did not have it. Ever. <laughs>